Now then, welcome back again to Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive, Sado for short, with me, Eggs Benedict. And me, Alison Barton-Simmons. We are, if you don't know by now, a couple of Sados, one in Bolton in the UK, one in New Zealand, who like to look back on every single episode made of our favourite old sitcoms, and this first series of the show is all about the good life. So each week, we take an episode of The Good Life, and we pull it the fuck apart, have a look at everything that happens in it, and talk about all sorts of things, including the fashion of the time, and 70s colour palettes, and the brass noises, and all that sort of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, politics, all sorts. There's, there's nothing really that we haven't touched on, I don't think. No. And uh, one of the things that we touch on pretty much every week is what a shithouse Tom Good is. <laughs> it's it my does- sort of... Bugbear, it, rises, it? it raises its head every week, I think, doesn't it? And he is particular shithouse this week, Al, don't you oh, think? Oh, I did. I thought of you while I was um, re-watching because it is a particularly bad episode for Tom. Somebody sent me a message saying, leave Tom alone. So I'm just putting this out there to begin with. I might leave Tom alone after this one, but he's particularly bad in this one. Yeah. I don't think you'd be doing... You wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't, if you didn't raise the issue, I don't no. think. No. I've got carte blanche on Tom for this week, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's get stuck into it. <laughs> so, um, you can listen to um, us without watching the episodes, of course, but if you want to recap the 45-year-old episodes that we're talking about, they're all on Daily Motion. Um, just hop along there and search for the episode that you that corresponds to the show that you're listening to. Uh, also, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, we tweet and, and link out links where you can watch the show. And I've started embedding the videos in, in our website, which is sado.club. So if you're listening on the website, you can also watch the video on the website. Fab. I don't know why I didn't do that to begin with. It occurred to me last week. I should just embed the video in the fucking webpage. So yeah, they're available though, and they're quite easy to find, aren't they? Once you know how to find them on like Dailymotion, they're, they're quite easy to get hold of. Yeah, old, old sitcoms tend to be. I, I thought BritBox would be clamping down on them, but all these old things, they just seem to be mm. a, easy to find. To be honest, I suppose the the ad thing on on Daily Motion can get a bit frustrating. I suppose, but yeah, that's true. I did. Um, I happened to come across another old sitcom written by Bob Larby and John Esmond last week. Another one? Yeah, it was on Reddit, a, a Reddit subreddit that I'm in about oh, right. old British media, obscure British media, or something. Oh, and it was um, a show about a footballer from Birmingham who's signed by a fictional London football club. And it was a sitcom written by Larby and Esmond, I reckon, hmm. late 70s, maybe just after The Good Life. Okay. It wasn't wonderful, I'll be honest, but um, not everything you write can be a hit, can it? That's true, if you've, especially if you've put all the effort that they did into The Good Life. Hmm. I th- I'd want to lie down after that. I wouldn't want to be writing anything else, I don't think, straight away. No, they were obviously just, you know, every couple of years they come out with something brilliant, like Evergrease in Circles or Brushstrokes yeah. or... And Whatever there must be things be. in between that's, that, that are just not quite hitting the mark, perhaps. It's like Premier League striker going through a rut, isn't it? They're still yeah, out just, there. Just like that. <laughs> They're still out there plugging away, running for the team, running the channels. Yeah. Getting in the odd cross. Don't know where this analogy's going. <laughs> so that show is called Feet First, if you want to look it up. Like I say, um, it was passable. <laughs> so if, you, if you're a completist and you want to dive into yeah. Esmond and Larby's entire back catalogue, um, the other thing I watched this week, Al, was I was um, at the weekend. I watched some old eighties movies. All right. I watched um, one of Tom Cruise's first movies, which obviously isn't British. It was 
the one where he's dancing around in his kex. Risky business. Risky it? business, where he slides in with his shirt on and his socks. Yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to write Rebecca about. Rebecca Yeah, she was quite um, pretty yeah. in it, yeah. Yeah. She was a hooker. She was. Um, that was, uh, to be honest, that was probably more insulting than Pretty Woman, yet Pretty Woman got a load of grief, didn't it, for um, the way it treated prostitutes. But this one I thought was like probably worse. But maybe it was under the radar because it didn't have any big stars in, because it was maybe. the end start of... Tom Cruise's career, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But the other one I watched was um, Rita, Sue and Bob 2. Oh my goodness, that's been on here um, in the UK on TV this week. It's bizarre, isn't it? I just... Um, yeah. What made you want to watch that? I was just scrolling through things. You know, you do, yeah. and you just stop and you go, I'll bang a bit of this on. Yeah. I'm just, just going to have a look at Black Lace giving it, we're having a gang <laughs> bang, we're having a ball. And then uh, I ended up just watching the whole thing. Yeah. Does it? How, do you know? What, it's years since I have watched it. Is it? What's it? What's it like watching it back? Is it? Is it? Do you get the same sort of vibe as you do from old seventies sitcoms? I think. Yeah, it's. It's. I suppose it's dated, but it's still fun. The, yeah. It's one of those shows. One of those movies you wouldn't get away with. You know the way we say that occasionally about things that come up in the good life, like a yeah. little bit of like Tom doing his Chinese eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. But in this, you just think this is a story about. A middle-aged man who preys on, yeah, who preys on school children, babysitters, presumably fifteen or something. Yeah, takes them out into the moors, and um, and gives them a jump in their language. Yeah, yeah. Because they're always like, "Come on, Bob, are we going for a jump?" <sighs> You'd be signing a register now, wouldn't you, if you got involved with any of that? Well, one scene, he turns up at the school. <laughs> while they're doing PE they're playing tennis or something or badminton I think it's tennis and he's just hanging around on the hill looking like a pedo just giving it the eyes like come on bunk off so we can have a jump oh my god and takes him up to the moors and then uh, he's, he, he's, he has sex with them both in a very rigid missionary position and then of course he says that line is that it? and he says I thought so were great <laughs> I remember watching Downton Abbey uh, for the first time and one of the women in Rita Sue and Bob 2 is in Downton Abbey, Siobhan Finneran. And obviously the characters, yeah, the characters are like just so different. Um, But yeah, just feeling a bit sort of shocked that that she was, she turned up in Downton being all serious and wearing black. And she was um, one of these little young scallies in Rita Sue and Bob 2. Yeah, it's definitely entertaining in a nostalgic way, looking yeah. at the old council estates that they lived on and yeah. like the dogs just roaming around. Because I remember in Nan's part of Liverpool, there was just random dogs running around everywhere. Yeah, you don't you don't just get dogs anymore, just ra- random, randomly wandering around, do you? No, it's almost a shame, although I suppose not if you get bit by them and end up with rabies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of them films that you enjoy from a nostalgia point of view. So there okay. you go. If you like old British sitcoms, there's a chance you'll like old British comedy movies as well. So maybe check it mm. out if you never have. Although be prepared to be shocked at how inappropriate it is. That's yeah, the only caveat, is. isn't it? Yeah, it is, definitely. So should we get stuck into this week's episode, which is Series 4, Episode 4? We're getting really close to the end now. And know. It's called The Weaver's Tale. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. Good life. So this one starts, doesn't it, with um, Tom walking into his his living room while um, 
Barbara is is sort of making herself busy. Yeah. Making clothes. And, and Tom is dressed like my granddad. <laughs> He's sort of how I remember my granddad always being dressed. And yet okay. my granddad was in his 60s and 70s. And Tom here is 43, which is the same age as me. Yeah. So I just thought he'd looked, he looked old before his time here, Tom, as he sort of blustered in in that very noisy Tom-like way. Yeah. Struck, struck me how old he looked compared to this sort of youthful wife of his. Isn't it strange how over the decades, like, I, I remember my mum being the age I am now and dressing like the picture I have of a mum in my head. I don't feel like I dress like a mum. Mm. As time's gone on, it's just become sort of that, that what I picture has become less and less the reality, I think. And Tom, yeah. yeah, Tom was definitely like that. He was dressed like an old man. Yes. I mean, even Bob in Rita Sue and Bob 2 didn't dress as old as, as Tom does in this scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know that was slightly later, maybe a decade later. Mm. Maybe that made all the difference. Because if you think about the, I mean, we're not in fashion corner yet, but if you think about the delineation between 70s fashion and 80s fashion, yeah, it's, it's obvious you can look at a scene and pick a, pick a decade. Maybe yeah. even so for the 90s. But now, um, if you showed me a scene full of people all dressed differently from now and then a scene from 15 years ago, I don't think you'd see a huge amount of difference the way that you did in years gone by. No, I think haircuts give it away. They can, yeah, yeah. But again, 70s and 80s haircuts differed vastly. Mm. Not so much between the noughties and the... Well, what do you call this decade we're in now? Twenties, I suppose. Twenties, yeah. The new twenties. The new twenties. Barbara's cutting up Tom's jersey to make a tabard. Yes. And Tom, Tom's quite indignant, isn't he? Uh, because he liked it. He liked this jersey. Yeah. And he's sort of being a pain and telling her what to do, and it just elicits a tired, "Yes, Tom," from Barbara. And then she tells him to go away. She's making like leg warmers as well from the arms. Yeah. Yeah, she's being economical, isn't she, by reusing old things to make new things. If she'd not asked Tom, though, I can... Right, just playing devil's advocate here. If she's not said to Tom, I'm going to cut up your your jumper to make a tabard and and leggings, yeah, I can understand him being a bit put out. Well, not to get ahead of herself, she gets a bit annoyed at him making unilateral decisions later Mm. in the episode, doesn't she? Yes. Rightly so, but she's done it here with his clothes, so... Yeah. Mind, if you think back again, and this is what comes from being anal like we have, if you mm. think back again, he also, though, sold, gave something to the rag and bone man in episode three of hers. Yeah. Was it the hairdryer? Yeah, without her permission. Yeah. So what goes around comes around, Tom, you dick. <laughs> um, so uh, the goods have made, it transpires, nearly 200 quid on selling soft fruits. That's good going, isn't it, for strawberries and raspberries? Well, yeah, two hundred quid. As we yeah, uh, when I when we did um, Brucey's prices right the other week, yeah, I think we worked out that two hundred quid's probably over a grand, isn't it, in today's money? That's amazing. That was a big chunk. So yeah, good on them. And and Barbara's, mm. uh, you know, Barbara's cock a hoop. She is. We won. We actually won at something. I thought that was quite sweet because they don't have Aww. some. They don't have a lot of luck sometimes, do they? No. But um, they've made this money. I think you see a key difference between the goods here is in, in, the, in the way that they approach things because Tom starts planning a trip to Rio in his head, yep. whereas Barbara is is just 
being far more pragmatic and practical and working out the cost of their forthcoming bills and the essentials that they need to get through the next however however long, whatever period that she's planning for. And she works out that they have a £10 float um, when everything's been taken into account. Yeah. It's quite that, a lot that's of money. Massive. That's huge for them, isn't it? To have, to have profit at all, but to have a float that you can sort of do something with. Mm. Must be quite nice. And Tom, to give him his dues, he actually, the first thing he says is, let's buy you something. That's quite sweet. Yeah, I thought that. You know, I, I can't be fair to Tom. He did know. think of her first, and he does do that in many episodes. He, he sacrifices things to give her a treat every now and again. Yeah. Celebrating their £10 float, Tom and Barbara are just about to get down and dirty and do the dance with no pants when Margot... Margot! <laughs> bursts in. This happens a lot, actually, doesn't it? It does. Margot calling. She bursts in wearing half an abattoir. <laughs> yes. Fur everywhere. Margot has popped around to ask Barbara to keep an eye out for the TV repairman, the television set repairman. Yes, to give him his full title, yeah. She doesn't trust the tradesman, so she wants Barbara to sort of oversee all this. But when she says she wants the, t- the television repairman's coming around, for some reason mm. Tom says, hello, suggestively. Did you notice that? I didn't. Does she think that Margot's going to have a wicked way with the television set repairman? I didn't really get it. I think it fell flat, but maybe that's what Tom was suggesting. I don't know. Mm. But then Tom tries to catch a lift to Dorking with Margot so he can pick yes, up some chicken feed. Yes. Yeah, he's got to pick up some chicken feed and, and Margot's clearly not keen on travelling or going anywhere with Tom and sometimes it makes you wonder if she actively dislikes Tom. Well, she does say to him... Um, when they're talking about having a companion on the journey, Margot does say, if that means you, um, I wouldn't. In other words, I wouldn't want you to come with me. So hmm. I, she says something quite interesting after after this. She says to the gods, you use me, you two, hmm. which I thought was quite a poignant thing to just, just for her to drop into conversation because she must feel, I don't know, a little bit resentful perhaps that the goods literally do rely on the Ledbetters quite heavily for for all the bits that are missing in between what they can do for themselves and what they can provide. They're, they're heavily mm. reliant on her and she knows it. Yeah. And I don't think she has a problem reminding them occasionally either. There's a funny visual gag as this scene ends, isn't it, when Barbara tells Tom not to keep asking for sweets and to hold hands nicely. <laughs> this did make me laugh. It's the way that he, the way that you sort of moved and and sort of skipped out of the door with Margot really made really yeah. tickled me. It was all in the physical comedy from Richard mm. Bryce, wasn't it? It was really really well done by him. And the next thing you know, we're in the seventies high street heaven, which you must have loved. Yes, yes. We're in outside Dorking or wherever it was filmed, because of course. The Good Life wasn't actually filmed in Surbiton. You know that, don't you? No. Yeah, I knew that. Northwood. Mm. Yeah, which is not a million miles away. So in Dorking, or wh- whatever town is a proxy for Dorking in this in this mm. shot, we see Tom and Margot window shopping, and Margot is rather taken with a spinning wheel that's in the um, in the window. Yeah, that shot looks brill. I'd love a right route round that shot. Yes, it did look good, actually. Margot decides she's going to go in and and get this wheel. She declines Tom's offer of haggling on her behalf. Yeah. And while she's talking to the shopkeeper, Tom's doing faces 
in the window at Margot, isn't he? And she doesn't appreciate it at all. No, she's trying to like shoo him away, isn't she, so that she can concentrate on what the um, shopkeeper's saying to her. But he just, yeah, he just carries on. Know your audience, Tom. I know. Wrong time, Tom. Wrong time. But then we get some really funky music to accompany footage. (laughs) Yes! Tom walking to the cash and carry. This funky music kicks in, doesn't it? I liked it. I like it when they just drop drop some beats in. <laughs> drop some halfway through. Drop some fat halfway beats. <laughs> Total fat beats um, throughout an episode. It just out of the blue. Yeah. I don't know if it warranted some funky music. Just walk into a cash and carry. I think the best funky music example is when Jerry and Barbara are doing the mercy dash with the piglet. Oh yeah, when they're driving down the road in the um, in in Jerry's car, yeah, stopped by the police, yeah. So Tom's walking into the cash and carry slash pawn shop, and this is where we get to see one of Larby and Esmond's idiosyncratic one-dimensional characters <laughs> crop up. Yep, Ernie. I enjoy them. I love them. Ernie, the strange shop assistant. They're always really like odd, odd aren't they? Yeah, odd characters. This guy in particular. Milton Johns is the name of the actor. Not Milton Jones, Milton Johns. Because I looked up on TV.com or something like that and it said Milton Jones and I thought, and he clicked, and it was a clickable link (laughs) and it went to the comedian's webpage. To to actual Milton Jones? No, it's definitely no relation. He'd have been about three. But he looked looked so familiar that I had to sit and Google for a while because he looks like something or someone that I'd seen before. And he looks like there's an L.S. Lowry portrait called Man With Red Eyes. And he looked just like this guy. And it's it's a, it's a really sort of, yeah, it's a really creepy sort of um, portrait. But he, from, I don't know. When I saw this guy on The Good Life, it just made me think of that por- that painting, that portrait. Did you, did you also see his um, CV and all the things he's been in? He's been in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I know. But then if you think... He looked familiar. Yeah. He he did look familiar. Probably not from that. But what else has he been in? I made a little note here. Hold on. He'd been in... You know, he's one of these who's on the circuit. Yeah. Apparently he's still alive. He's 82 and he's known for playing oily, obsequious characters. Yeah. He did Ever Decreasing Circles, Butterflies, Zed Cars, Yes Minister, Going Straight, which was the Porridge spin-off. Some mothers do have him. So he's done loads and loads of classic sitcoms. He did. He, he was someone that I, cu- I couldn't pinpoint when I saw his face where he was from, but I knew that I'd yeah. see, he's one of them people that just crops up. It is weird how you, know, you think about these guys cropping up in Star Wars, but then I went to see the last Star Wars movie and fucking Aid Edmondson popped up in it. Yes, he did. And I was yeah, like, that's it. Threw me that actually. Fucking else, Vivian doing on the Death Star. <laughs> Gonna chuck something out the window, yeah. lose his head by poking it out. Really great, and we're not watching the bloody good life. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! This fella, anyway. Um, what do you say his name was? Ernie. Ernie, yeah. He's a bit of a wet lettuce, isn't he? He's he's he's, he's hard work. He's hard work. When when Tom enters, he's reading a pamphlet called Pressure Selling. <laughs> <laughs> sort of sets the scene for this guy. He's like. Bit doesn't really know how to sell. No, no. 
and he's he's totally and needlessly transparent with Tom about his need for floor space, and that if Tom is buying literally anything, he has him over a barrel. He just says it to him. If you want to buy yeah. something, you've got me over a barrel. <laughs> Strange dude. But then, except the problem is, he doesn't have the cojones to make any executive decision in the absence of his boss. No, he has to, his boss has to have the final say on things. Yeah. So, Which is weird, yeah. So, so Tom's totally confused, but he sort of says to him, well, I'm interested in this loom. And Ernie doesn't even know it was there. Apparently it was from when the ginger bloke were there. <laughs> Just a random ginger bloke that we didn't need to know about. Um, but Ernie fishes out the loom for Tom to have a look at. And what's happening here, it becomes clear, is that Tom sensed another way to leech off the Leadbetters because if he gets a loom of his own and then avails himself of Margot's new spinning wheel, which he's off buying at that very moment, yeah. the goods can make their own clothes and add that to their sort of self-sufficiency lifestyle and routine. He's very certain of himself, isn't he, Tom? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. very very sure of himself that he could... I don't know what he's thinking he's going to be able to produce at home with a spinning wheel and his own loom. Although he did do, did he do did, did he do a weaving course? Did he do a was it a weaving course that he did? Potting, potting wasn't it? Potting. So did did one did did Barbara do a weaving course? Yeah, you so, might be right there. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he's got some skills. Well, I think he I think he wants Barbara to do it. I think you're right. It's a callback to when Barbara and Tom swapped, and Barbara is the weaver of the two of them. Yeah. Well, why she learned to do this without a loom and a wheel of her own anyway? I have no idea. No. Tom's got his plans, and he's sort of yes, putting them he in, has. putting them into place. And eventually, he convinces Ernie, Ernie, the wet lettuce with the big buggers' grips, to sell him the loom for ten quid, including delivery. Bargain. And then Ernie, Ernie, needlessly suspiciously starts like inspecting the ten pound note as if it's counterfeit. Mm. I don't know if there'd been a, a flurry of counterfeit ten pound notes in. Where are we again? Where's my notes? Dorking. In Dorking. In Dorking. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he's accepted a, a fake one recently and that the, his boss is going to come back and give him what for if he takes another one. Yeah, but he's all nil to the light, isn't he? I mean, it must have been mm. before the days where there was a transparent queen's head in that little circle. I know. Yeah. Probably probably would have mm. been made a killing, actually. Probably a piece of piss to counterfeit money in the 70s. I know. You could just hand draw him, couldn't you, I bet? <laughs> <laughs> just draw some £10 notes. Back at the goods, Barbara has several buns in the oven, doesn't she? She does. She's um, sorting them out when Jerry pops in, looking totally fucked off with his lot. He just isn't a happy Jerry, is he? No, he's not at all. He can't can't find Margot, doesn't know where she is. He's had a shit day and he's locked out. And then he's told that Margot's shopping, which... (laughs) God, that's a triple whammy, isn't it, of... Shitness. Well, he just collapses disconsolately into Barbara's kitchen chair, like, oh, for fuck's sake. She's yeah. not shopping, is she? Last time she went shopping, she spent 38 quid on a silver cigarette holder. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's holding out much hope for much money to be left in his account by the time she gets home. Yeah. But he's, he's enjoying complaining to Barbara about Margot with mm. a sort of undercurrent of flirting. and Yeah. It's almost like this this sort of... I don't know how to articulate it. it. It's a sort of flirting technique which is all about pity me, poor me. Yeah. No wonder I have to get my checkbooks two at a time. <laughs> You're too easy with her. Oh, maybe I am. 
I feel like that little boy with his finger in the dike. As fast as I plug up one hole, she bursts out through another. <laughs> You're not like that. Well, I don't get the chance, Jerry. We don't have any money. Oh, Margot spends mine. You think I printed the stuff? Well, there's no good complaining to me about it. Yes, I know. I like complaining to you, then. Oh, don't be silly. Is that fair? I, I think so, yeah. It almost... Because they do have a bit of a moment, don't they? Hmm. Jerry and Barbara. And she's sort of telling him how he should deal with Margot and how women like to be treated by men, really. And says that when Tom's fair but firm, I go weak at the knees. And Jerry goes weak at the knees at this point, doesn't he? Even though he's he sat indeed. down. He does indeed. Yeah, um, he's quite taken then, that idea. But then she has to remind him that Tom will be home in a, in a minute. So, you know, pull yourself together, Jerry. Go and um, get some soft porn out. Yeah, but but Jerry's quite insistent that Margot needs to realise, and this is what he says. Damn it all! About time she realised I'm not just a slot machine that automatically produces the jackpot. Thanks again, Barbara. So he's he's obviously it's obviously a bit of a resentment in this. Yeah, he's Barbara's given him a pep talk enough to motivate him to do something about Margot's spending. Mm. And he leaves quite purposely, doesn't he, saying Thanks yeah. again, Barbara. But on his way out he did a weird eye roll thing. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. He said, Thanks again, Barbara. And obviously no one listening can see this, but you can. He sort of went. Yeah. And I thought, oh. what was that about? But maybe it was maybe I'm reading too much into it. But it seemed like he was doing an eye roll which didn't didn't gel mm. with the fact that he seemed to be on a mission rather than yeah. dismissing her. But there you go. I might just be reading too much into it. Maybe a fly passed it over his field of vision and he was just watching <laughs> Maybe the fly. that's what it is. She was just watching the fly. <laughs> Barbara's worried though now that she's done the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. She's a bit concerned that she's um she's she's sort of stirred it up a little bit. She is a little shit stirry with the Leadbetters. Yeah. Mind your own business, I don't Barbara. Know. Well was she was she helping a friend there? Because if he's got an issue with her sort of going off and spending loads of money, um Barbara I suppose Barbara because Barbara's not aware of what's coming next and it, is perhaps just suggesting that well, if you don't like it, Jerry, do something about it. Yes, I suppose so. But I, I say think, something. I think you're right. But in the past, she certainly dropped she one, one or the other. Usually, Jerry in, yes. in the ship with Margot. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. Um, next thing we see, we see Tom at home with his new loom, which Ernie <laughs> evidently <laughs> delivered, having ascertained that the ten bob note is genuine. It's all good. And Tom unveils it to Barbara as a solution to their sort of making men do clothes strategy situation. And Barbara points out immediately that they don't have any wool and it's a bit optimistic to expect this to work. Yeah. I expected her to go off like a bottle of pop or, as you would say... Like a chippy. Up like a chippy, but uh, Mm. she just got quietly angry this time, didn't she? She was simmering. Yeah. She was definitely simmering at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Tom spent the £10 float without consulting her. Mm, this doesn't go down well. But instead of apologising, Tom sarcastically remarks, Well, I'm very, very sorry. Do you mind if I sit down? Yes. And I thought, oh, you fucking sailing close to the wind there. Yeah. I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry if you've been upset by it. Yeah. A la Pretty Patel. Yes, it was a bit, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was a definite... Um, 
non-apology, weren't it? It definitely was, yeah. Even after she pointedly makes a, a speech and leaves the room, he just giggles and whistles to himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Tom. We cut to later and he's obviously getting the silent treatment, which to an attention whore like him is like being deprived of oxygen. So he, he basically apologises and, and Barbara mm. instantly forgives him, which is more than he deserves. Yeah, yeah. But they're straight on to it straight away, aren't they? Sort of talking about where they could get a possible source of wool from in order to, to weave their own claws. Yeah, so, he's so a bit stubborn though, isn't he? He's stubborn thinking he can make it work by gathering sheep's wool off barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Um, I, I can't imagine anything worse than having to go and do that in order to use use your loom. Yeah. Imagine all the cuts. When I was a kid, my granddad used to take me out to the Wirral from Liverpool and mm. he'd take me to disabled... Uh, disabled? <laughs> to disused. <laughs> take me to the disabled toilets. <laughs> no, he'd take me to the disused train stations of the Wirral. Oh. I know it's a fucking treat. And he... Uh, <laughs> And he'd, <laughs> and he'd say, gather the blackberries, because he used to make homemade wine that tasted like piss. Yeah. So he'd say, gather the blackberries. That's why I'd be gathering these blackberries dutifully from the fucking nettles around this disused yeah. platform. Oh, God. And, and then he'd be going, no, the good ones are up there. Reach up, and I'd be like, there's nettles. And he'd be like, never mind that. Honest to God, I'd be going home in his car covered in dock leaves. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that sort of brought back some memories. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you don't want to be picking wool off barbed wire. And no! It's the sort of thing my granddad would have made Barbara do. Cheers, Bob. And of course, this is all without even asking Margot's permission to use her spinning wheel. I know! They're just making it all up without even sort of consulting Margot over the use of a spinning wheel. Well, he's a daydreamer and, and Barbara calls him out on his manipulative nature. Even Tom, Absolutely. Even Tom admits it's a bit sneaky, doesn't he, at this point? Yeah. But of course, Barbara then realises that the rub here is that Jerry isn't going to sign the cheque because he's now a newly empowered... Um, oh, she's talked him into standing up to her. Yeah, he's a strong man now. He's like Putin. He's going to go home and put his foot down. Ride a horse with no top on. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. That's a T-shirt Ride we Geraldine. should do. <laughs> Geraldine around the garden with no top on. That's a T-shirt I'll get Anya to do as a design of Jerry riding around Geraldine topless. <laughs> Would you buy it? Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, at this point, Margot bursts in, declaring that she's left Jerry. <gasps> Hello, Margot. What are you doing here? I've left Jerry. <laughs> Why? Because he wouldn't write a cheque for my spinning wheel. Hey? How dare he talk to me like that? <laughs> I will not be harangued about the financial climate. I will not have his bank statements thrust under my nose. And above all, I will not be thrown about my own house like some rag doll. What did he do? He shook me by the elbows. <laughs> Again, all Tom can bring himself to care about with his friend upsetting in turmoil in his kitchen here is his fucking spinning wheel. Yeah. He, he says, I, I tell you what, if I were you, I'd buy that spinning wheel out of my own money just to spite him. <laughs> And it was quite a funny line, but it doesn't reflect well on Tom, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Barbara gets a bit cross with him, doesn't she? Yeah. She, she, she shouts at him. Uh, but Margot's going to go straight to her room at the gods because she's going to stay with the gods. Mm. And Tom says, don't use the wardrobe. It's full of onions. <laughs> Magic kipping in there when the boiler comes on. Oh, oh. God. I mean, it smells like a soup. Just, just sleeping in a soup. Oh. <laughs> 
But the following day, we see Barbara is worried about the Ledbetters, and Tom yeah. still hasn't come to his senses. He's still worried about Margot not buying this fucking spinning wheel. Mm. And he's even been round to see Jerry and try and convince him to buy it. What an absolute shit house! Yeah, very manipulative. He's just totally self-centred. Mm. Barbara calls him a snake in the grass and a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Yeah. And, and she's very she's very right. And then Tom calls her fatty. Dick. You know, at least pick on something genuine. There's nothing of her. Yeah. No. Oh, what an asshole. Then Jerry pops in with a spinning wheel. He's gone and bought it, hasn't he, the soft get? Oh, he loves Margot so much. Well, this is very touching, actually. It's his peace offering. I was very annoyed at this point because Jerry's caved in. I was like, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. It's a very empty house without her. I'm working awfully hard at the moment. When I get home, the house is warm and comfortable. She's always there. The dinner's prepared, the wine's chambrayed. She's wearing a nice gown. I miss her. I've got three Polish buyers coming to dinner next week and I don't know what Poles eat. <laughs> yeah, he has got a bit of an ulterior motive, though. Yes, because... it comes to light, doesn't it? While he does say that, that he misses he misses her, he misses the house being warm, the wine being poured, dinner's cooked, Margot wearing a gown, it actually turns out that he's got three poles coming for tea the following week and he doesn't know what to cook for them. So he three needs poles. to give her the spinning wheel to get her to get her back. Do you think um do you think that the writers sat around thinking what nationality would be funniest in this sentence? Poles. <laughs> three poles are coming round. So then Margot blusters in, declaring that she's um, now decided she needs to be self-sufficient in her own right sort of thing, and she's got herself a job at the florist to pay for her spending, which, of course, isn't going to scratch the surface, is it? It's not even going to... No. No help whatsoever. But good for her, nevertheless. She's decided to go out and work, and I think, you know, more power to your elbow. Yeah. Do you, think it, do you think she did? Do you think she did? Or do you think it would have perhaps just been... Um, a bluff. A bluff. I can't remember if in these last few episodes Margot's working at the florists or not. We'll find out, won't we, in the coming weeks. I think it'd be quite funny to see her working in the florists. That's a spin-off that could have happened. Oh, it's Mr. Trick. Margot's florists. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a touching reunion when Margot sees the wheel and hugs Jerry and admits that she herself was being childish. It's quite sweet, isn't it? It is. It is. But the revelation about the actual spinning wheel itself is a good payoff, I think, in this episode, because I thought, yeah, it made me want to punch the air. Yeah, or punch Tom, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Do both. Punch the air, but then sort of swipe at Tom as well. He is horrified looking on to see that the wheel is... Not just ornamental, but Margot demonstrates it's actually a music box. <laughs> oh! And Barbara, Barbara pisses aside. She, then she thinks she's she's stood there going schnorr schnorr. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Then they all laugh. Yep. And that's it. It's it's a nice bit of karma, isn't it? At the end of this one, really. I think when you see Tom is mortified and he gets his comeuppance, serves him right. Yeah. Well deserved comeuppance, I think, isn't it? It doesn't stop him, though. It doesn't stop him sort of being a bit of a leech and, and the expectations of the Ledbetters. Oh, no, the, the main carries thing... carries on. Carries on. The main thing that comes out of this episode, not to dwell on it any more than we need to, but 
Tom is a bona fide, weapons-grade, irredeemable gobshite. Yeah. This episode, more than any other, with the possible exception of The Last Posh Frock, d- demonstrates that in, to its full, to yeah. its fullness, doesn't it? The other thing that's interesting in this episode is probably the dynamic of the of the Ledbetter's relationship that we see. Yeah, I think the not only is Margot standing up to, to Jerry in this episode, she sort of follows through with it, which we don't see very often. We, we see it sort of um, just plastered over a little bit and hmm. you never really see any kind of resolution. But in this, you see her saying, right, well, I'm not standing for this, I'm going. And then she sort of tries to make her own way a little bit, which doesn't really... Um, doesn't go anywhere. It'd be interesting if no. it lasted days to see what she would have done. Yeah, what would she have done? Got herself her own flat on the high street and... Yeah, lived above her butchers in a shitty bed yeah. or something. Can't imagine that. On, on a florist's two-day wages. Yeah. Hmm. That would have been a quite dark and depressing spin-off. It would, actually. I feel it would be quite sad now. Margot sat there Let's eating jo- TV jo- dinners. <laughs> oh, no. Let's jolly it up. Jolly it up. Well, okay, then. Should we jolly it up with MVP or Fashion Corner first? Oh, let's do MVP first. Okay. I know I like to predict yours. I think it's going to be one of the Ledbetters. It is one of the Ledbetters. I'm going to go for Jerry this week. Are you? I am. That's interesting, because so did I, and that draws him level at the top oh. of the MVPs. Is it? I think he's level now. Oh. I'll have to double-check here, but Back yeah. Back at the top. Yeah, I think Jerry in this episode, um, despite the sort of flirty-flirty with Barbara, I think the fact that he... I think he loves he loves Margot and really does want to make her happy. He wants her to be happy. And he realises what home comforts he gets out of Margot being at home and sort of playing along with with her and her little sort of foibles. It, it, it's worth it. The £38 spent on a silver cigarette holder, I'm sure, means he gets more out of life than if he put his foot down and said, you're not having one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He puts his foot down. Curbs Margot's Margo spending, and he loves her too much to be without her. So yeah, I think he's he was a little bit weak going and buying that wheel. Mm. And I didn't I didn't get too worried about his flirting because it was very low level. It wasn't it wasn't um, uncomfortable flirting to put Barbara. Um, no, to make her it wasn't unease. stuck in the dishwasher. No <laughs> level was it? No, it didn't bring out the beast in him. God. <laughs> Calm down, Jerry. So yeah, Jerry is the new joint leader of the of the MVPs with Oni. So he could win. He could win. With five episodes to go, he could win, yeah. <gasps> Do you think that Paul Eddington's family would be touched if we sent a trophy to the estate? <laughs> I think we should do that. We should we should we should put something together and send it. Well, we may be counting our chickens before they've hatched, so let's see how it pans out. Margot's, okay, yeah. Margot's still in a good position as well. Mm. Sort the Margot. There's always something in, in Fashion Corner on Margot. So let's have a trip over there and see what she's been wearing this week. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. I want to start Fashion Corner this week with um, special mention to the leg warmers from the old jumper because that's a, I think that's a genius idea. Mm. Um, if you've got a jumper there that needs, that can be sort of repurposed as um, two things, then that's that's great. So they got a, a tabard and leg warmers from an old jumper. 
and the leg warmers did look very sort of snug and um, comfortable. In that same scene, when Margot turns up, she I think you said about her wearing half an, half an abattoir, which is very true. She's got a matching fur coat and hat. The cake looks like a... No, not the cake. The hat looks like a cake yes. in this scene. Yeah. It's, a, it's like one of those very sort of sticky up, um, round, fluff, like a fluffy cake, shall we say. Mm. Quite a quite a 70s style, perhaps. I remember my, my nana had a fur coat. I think she had a fox stall, actually. Quite creepy, but... It, obviously, it was of the time where you could just swan about with your fox on. In the high street scene where Margot and Tom have gone down to Dorking, Tom's huge flares in the high street are worth a mention in Fashion Corner. Um, he, uh, you don't tend to see sort of legs, do you? Sort of like legs downwards. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Sort of le- um, in sitcoms. Feet and, yeah, because obviously they're in they're in usually being shot from like the waist upwards maybe but his, his, his flares are huge so the funky music around that point hmm. does actually fit quite well with Tom's massive flares back at Tom and Barbara's house in the kitchen when she's baking the bread and Jerry turns up yeah Barbara is particularly cool looking in this scene with a paisley lilac headscarf on check shirt striped pinny and patchwork skirt it's a bit of a mishmash of clothes just sort of put together um, it's not really held together by a certain style but I think Barbara rocks that mm. the sort of eclectic look yeah and I, I do I, it, it was worth it was worth um, a definite mention and Margot's cardigan she's got an orange green yellow striped wool cardigan towards the end which is it just looks big and comfy and unctuous if that's word just looks dead cosy and not very margoey. Mm. It's it's when she comes round to say that she's left Jerry and it's you don't often see Margot in comfy clothes. Well she's got half of Mr. T's jewellery on as well at this point. She's got about <laughs> six chains around her bloody neck, isn't she? This cardigan to me said um comfort and help and, and support that, that she was sort of needing from the goods. Right. All all sort of Connoted, I think, in this um, in this cardigan. So yeah, there was there was oh later on um, as well when she she and Jerry make up. Margot at this point is then dressed in a navy brimmed hat, navy suit with white trim, red flower, white gloves, and gold buttons down the front of the um, jacket. So she's she's it's almost like she's sort of taken back the the power she's empowered again well she looked almost like she was in the navy like Popeye or something yeah yeah yeah. she's, she's, she's sort of taken back some strength I think and, um, so it was quite different to the, the scene previously with, with the with the warm cardigan yeah back to the back to the old Margot especially with the um, red flower hmm you always know she's on top of a game when she's got a flower on yes I suppose so did Maggie often have a, a flower I don't remember Maggie having a flower ah, I'll have to look into maybe. that maybe Maybe it was something that was brought in to mimic the leader of the opposition as she was at the time. Because we're, we're looking for parallels yeah. now. Maybe we're seeing them where there isn't one. I don't. The flower doesn't seem doesn't stand out to me. But it, it, yeah, perhaps. Going off topic a bit. Mm. Did have you been watching The Crown to see Gillian Anderson's performance as Thatcher? Yeah, it's um, it's quite unsettling. Oh. 
amazing I think she is. Yeah, I, I've come full circle on her. I used to think she was quite limited, but the roles I've seen her in in recent years, she's a mm. fine actress, isn't she? It was the, the the portrayal of Maggie is um, I think one because I think they're all sort of mimicky kind of roles where you are obviously if you're playing somebody that's that's a real life person it is mimicry mm. isn't it you are just acting like that person but sometimes it's quite hit and miss with the crown there's some that you go oh my god yeah I can see that that's brilliant her portrayal of Thatcher I think just she knocks it out of the park she really she, does yeah. I've only seen clips but. It's certainly made for a challenging wank. It's uncanny, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I'll sti- I think I'll stick to the X-Files in the future when I want to see Yes, indeed, yeah. Next week's episode, do you know what it's called? I don't know what it is. I've not looked, I'm sorry. Nor me. Shall we just leave it as a mystery and Ooh, rather than look it up? Surprise! I haven't looked what it is. So, you know what? If you want to know what it is, fucking look yourself. <laughs> You you know, don't rely on us. We can't do everything for you. We're going to pick the fucking thing apart next week. So we've got enough on our plates. If you want to know what the next one is, get on IMDb and look for yourself. That's exciting because it'll be a nice big surprise for us all. That's the listeners told. That's three of them unsubscribed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go, go. No, no, stay with us. You're nearly nearly at the end of of the good life now. You might as well stick around. We're in the home straight. It's nearly toy day. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So if you're enjoying what we're doing, that's great news. We're nearly at the end. But if you're going to carry on with us, we're at Saddle Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, where we post rare videos and all sorts of bits and pieces. On Facebook, um, you can find us by searching for Saddle Podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website at saddle.club. Uh, you can find out uh, more information about us, read the blog, um, listen to episodes if you don't do podcast apps. Get in touch with us. You can email us at saddlepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us all about the things that we've missed. And please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the bit where we don't know what to do. Having not even told you what next week's episode is going to be, shall we just like end the episode without saying anything? Not even at I'll see thee. <laughs> oh, people just, might you know think... to subvert the subvert the format. Do we want to do a goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. That's it. Fuck off now. No, I can't. I can't help myself. I'm gonna have to. You're say getting goodbye demob happy. You're getting demob happy. <laughs> I'm just trying to burn down and everything we've built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kick it all over. <laughs> Oh, well, all right then. So we'll see you next week for the mystery episode, which is Series 4, Episode 5. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate you, honestly. Um, Come back and join us next week. Goodbye. I'll see you, mate. That was loud. (laughs) Goodbye.